0: Well, my title briefly this morning is What Does God Require of Us? That's the question to ask this morning. We're about to go in a few hours' time, in this country at least, into a new year. I don't know what that year holds. I don't know the future. But I do know that God's requirements don't change. For any of us, what does God Require of us. Two weeks ago, I was thinking about what to preach on, and the two verses that we shall consider came into my mind. They both asked the same question What does God require of us? So, I want to give you a kind of manifesto, if I can say that. That sounds a bit political, but some thoughts. For how we should think and live and breathe every hour of every day in the year ahead what does god require of me how am i to live next year what should i think about what should guide me what should lead me what am i to do with my life in the year Ahead, Well, we read these two verses. I'm sure they're very plain and simple to understand what we will bring them together. And then I shall explain the context of each. And then we'll draw up this list of a few points that we need to have forefront in our mind as we go into the next year. Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12 is the first one. This is what Moses says, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? I shall explain these words. But, or except, to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all my soul to keep his commandments. You could say this is a prescription. If you go into the chemist or the pharmacist, do you pay for your prescription? I used to be involved in pharmacies in a very small way and it astonished me how many people were exempted They didn't have to pay for their prescription. If you're over a certain age or retired, you don't have to pay. If you're a mother with a child, you don't have to pay. If you have a sickness or a condition that you'll have through life, you don't have to pay. What proportion of prescriptions are not currently required to be paid? 95%. 95%. And that's a simple explanation because the majority of people, of course, that get sick are elderly or they have some form of medical condition which is for life. Why am I mentioning this? I'm about to give you a list, and you might think, but I'm exempt. That doesn't apply to me I don't need to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. I don't need to walk in his ways. I'm different. My mother or my father, they have an important relative, and so I'm exempt. Or maybe I'm wealthy. Or maybe I've got a New Year's honour against my name. I'm a sir. I'm important. Go back to that verse, notice how many times it says the word all, to walk in all his ways, to serve thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul. This is all of us. I have a happy task this morning. I know we've got many needs this morning, we always do. I'm always struck. By the needs of the very last week, some have known sadness this week, some continue to know a burden. But I have a text before me this morning that applies to all of us. These are God's requirements for me and I preach first to myself. How can I preach to you if I don't listen to God's word first? myself. And now Israel. This is Old Testament language to say everybody who comes and fears God's name. And now Israel. What doth the Lord thy God require of you? It's covenant language. God is speaking to a people that he's blessed supremely. God is going to give them the agenda, the manifesto. Now we have a very different agenda today, don't we? You just think of the things that have been on the news, the things that the governments of this country and many others have put forward this past year, the things that our children have been taught this past year. What does the nation require of us. It's very different to God's agenda. This is what's been on the so-called progressive agenda in the last year. I prefer the word regressive, because these are a step backwards, every single one of them. Marriage. Look at that this year. The boundaries, the definition. Has crept and moved it won't be long before you can marry your dog it won't be long before you can marry something that you possess marriage redefined what about gender if you can go to school and tell your teacher that you've decided to be a dolphin or a cat? What's the world coming to? And what about sexuality? These are the things God says. Marriage, gender, sexuality, they are all part of the creation order. God said these are special. God said the whole of society and life will be formed around these three things – who we are, who we're committed to in lifelong relationship, and the boundaries and the definition of intimacy. And all three this year have been redefined, and the boundaries have been moved. And that's no coincidence because the most important building blocks of life is where Satan will attack and in this next year I've got no doubt if we have a new government there will be further pushing back of the boundaries that's not a political comment that's just the age and the day that we live in so we need to turn to a verse like this what does Moses say to the people here. Let's just look at a few of the verses before we come and compare it with our other verse this morning. This is the four special things that he reminds the people of. I won't show the text, but in this chapter, Moses makes it very plain. You, people of Israel, you have been entrusted with God's laws 613 laws some of them were ceremonial they would pass away some of them were moral they would not pass away some of them were national they would pass away and yet many of them are embedded into our laws even still today, but they've changed slightly. But the moral law that Israel had is still the moral law today, which we keep, which is such a blessing to us, God's special law, including a special day that we are to keep and to remember, To sanctify, to set apart, to make it holy. May we do that in the coming year and have an ever higher view of the Lord's day. Secondly, Moses reminds them God has led us. He's led us out of Egypt. He's led us out of captivity, bondage, slavery. And he's led us towards Canaan. Verse eleven Arise, take thy journey, go in, possess the land, this special people. They had the law, and they had the leading and the guiding hand of God upon every single life. We still have God's law, and we still have the promise that we will be led in the year ahead by the hand of God which only can be kind that's the second blessing that he's reminding them of well it says later on in the chapter that there was one particular tribe set apart and they were to be involved in the ministry the service of the Lord And that's all the people of God today, and particularly ministers and Sunday school teachers, those who have a task, they've been set apart, but in a sense, everyone that loves the name of God and his son, Jesus Christ, their hearts have been cut. They are to be clean. They are to be for the Lord's people. And look what it says. Here's some responsibilities. Verse 18. They are to be mindful of the fatherless. We have many children that come into this building. And they are as good as fatherless. We who love the Lord, we're to care for them. We're to care for the widow. We're to love the stranger. Who's the stranger? Anybody that comes in through the doors, who's never been here before, they're not yet one of us. They're strangers initially. And we're to care for them. What are we to do? In giving food and raiment and clothing and a home, spiritual care, spiritual clothing, a spiritual home. These are the callings. That Moses is reminding do you care for the orphans of Bedford do you care for those who are widows we have widows in our midst we have a special responsibility to widows and widowers those that live alone this is what Moses is reminding them of he's given them his law number one number two he's led them by the way Number three, there's a special ministry. Pastors, yes, but every one of the Lord's people, in a sense, is to be a pastor, a carer, a visitor, a teacher, a provider. And then fourthly, Moses reminds them, he was their deliverer. How did they get out of that bondage? How was it that the Lord enabled a large number of people to go into the wilderness and then into the promised land because a saviour was risen up. He was reluctant, Moses, but the one that he figures, the one that he pictures, he wasn't reluctant. He gladly went for us to the wilderness. He gladly went and suffered and endured even the cross for us to be our deliverer. Do you see, this is Old Testament language, but the parallel is there. We have the law. We have the guiding hand of God. We have the ministry that we're all involved in if we love the Lord. And we have a saviour. What do we do? We lift up that Saviour. That's the context this morning. But I want to turn you to another verse, to Micah. I'm sure you'll have thought of it already. Micah and chapter 6 and verse 8. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, where we read this verse. A very familiar text, there's a parallel, there's an overlap. Micah 6 and verse 8, one of the minor prophets, so called, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. The words are so simple. They're nearly all words of one syllable. To do justly, to walk, to love. It couldn't be plainer. The prophet Micah He has a sinful people to deal with, just as Moses did in the first captivity. And Micah is speaking to the nation of Israel again. What's happened? The people have forsaken their God. Is there anybody here today? If you're really honest, 2023, you've not walked with your God. Maybe you've never walked with your God. You don't know what it is to love him. Look at verse 6, Micah 6, 6. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old, He's about to talk of insincerity false worship people that go to the place of worship they bring their offering maybe not a cow in today's age but you come with your body you come with your mouth you come with your heart verse 7 will the Lord be pleased With thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil, shall I give my firstborn, Christ, figuratively, for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? You see what was happening. They were coming before God, and their worship was so false. It was worship with lips, but no heart. Coming to the house of God through 52 Sundays of another year, but no circumcision of heart. No separation from the world. No repentance. No leaving the world and cleaving to Christ. And so verse 8 Micah raises a challenge. I know this verse has been a challenge to some here in the past, this morning. A verse that speaks to us again and again. Verse 8. He hath shown thee what is good. That speaks to my heart. Where are we without God? How do we know what is good? How do we know whether you can kill the unborn child? Whether you can leave the widows and the fatherless and the orphans to care for themselves? How do we know what marriage should be? How do we know where to put our feet this year? How do we know how to deal with bereavement? and sickness and trials and difficulties, because, verse 8, he hath shown thee. Has he shown it to a few people only? No, all people. Not 95% exemptions, but all people. He has shown thee what is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good and he shows us what is good and he wants us to walk in that way. Can I work it out myself? Can I draw the boundaries of my life as I please? Get the chalk and say, this is my life. I will define what is good for me. No, he has shown the O man what is good. God says what is good. It's obvious, isn't it? Because only he is good. How can little man decide where to draw the boundaries of life? Euthanasia. I'll define that when I want to push the button, that will suit me. No. Just think of the gunman that goes into the classroom in America, or Switzerland, or Germany, as has happened this year. Who's to say that's not good for him? He felt it was good. It felt good at the time. He got a kick out of it. We can't do that. We need what God defines is good and what he says is good is good and we know it and we experience it and in our lives, those of us that love God and love what he says is good, we've proven it. Every day, he shows us, oh man of God, what is good. So let's come. Let's bring these two verses together. There is an overlap. We remind ourselves that both in Deuteronomy 10 and here in Micah, it's covenant language. He says, Thy God, Thy God, He's made you. He owns you. He loves you. And He's got every right to put the boundary lines of your life in pleasant places. He doesn't make your life more miserable. He doesn't make it more difficult than it needs to be. The only difficulty is because we live in a fallen world with sin and with sickness and sorrow. But where God has said, live, live within these lines, it's good for us. So let's draw these thoughts together. The first thought in these two verses is that in the year ahead and there's an order to this follow it carefully the first is this that we are to walk humbly humbly that's very difficult the word means carefully circumspectly thinking very little of yourself what do you think of yourself are you a tyrant within your own home If I can do it, then everybody should. What about at church? If those parents would follow my example, they'd have their children sat there perfectly. You don't know what they go through. You don't know their trials, their difficulties, their heartaches, their struggles. Never have an attitude that says, if I can do it, Everybody should. No, no. You have the lowly, humble heart. You don't know what everybody goes through. Walk humbly before your God. Ah, but the grace of God in my life. He's given me these particular circumstances. I have blessings. I have difficulties. And all of us do. Maybe in equal measure, up and down. But the Lord knows what is good, and he calls us to walk humbly in our own circumstances, where he's put us, with our own difficulties, with our own joys, with our own brilliant children, and with our children who perhaps are not so brilliant. He calls us to live in dependence upon him. That's what it means to be humble. The proud heart says, no, I can walk in my own strength. I've got enough. If people won't help me, I'll do it. And the Lord says, no. Walk in dependence upon me. Walk and I will direct you. Walk with God as the end of your journey, as your destination. Walk an open, transparent life. Sometimes share your difficulties, your sadnesses. Maybe each other we can help in some way. Walk humbly with thy God. That's the first thing. That's the foundation. There is no Christian life that has blessing if we don't start with humility. May we all learn that and relearn that lesson every day of our lives. Secondly, once you live humbly, we then can fear God. You see, there's no fear of God in the heart until there's a sense of need of Him. And it's our humility, walking in dependence upon Him, that we can then truly fear Him. What does it mean to fear, to revere, to respect, to live life in reverential awe of God and who He is and His person? Somebody said to me this week in an email this church is known as being a serious church. I don't know if that's right. That's the view of some. Shouldn't we all be serious about God and his word and his requirements and how he tells us to walk? This word require. Let me just expand that. It's actually the word that we get, the word dowry from. In some cultures still today, and there's some here that have been involved in different cultures, in marriages The father says, If you want my daughter, three cows, two sheep. I don't know what it is in that particular culture, but I think it's quite good in a way. It's not very practical. I don't know where you'd put them. But the word here is, What does God require? What does He deserve? What does he call for? What does he seek? What does he ask? It's not unreasonable. You can't ask for a dowry of 10,000 cows if you can't afford them. But it's always tailored to the person. The father, if he's reasonable, says, If you want my daughter, and so I know that you're serious, here's the requirements. We don't really do that in this country much. But that's the word in the Hebrew, a dowry, the calling for, the asking of, the beating of a path for. It's a big word, but all those thoughts are there. This is what the Lord requires of us, to walk humbly and to fear the Lord thy God. That's the second thing. We could say a lot more. Let's come to the third it says in both these verses that then we are to love the Lord God. You see, there's no basis of love until there is humility and until there is fear. Fear teaches us who God is. And when we know more of who He is, then we can love Him aright. Love today. Of the Lord is just some sort of gushy thing. Something you make up. Some feeling and emotion. Oh, I'm not wrong for those. We should have feelings, deep feelings and emotions. But love can only follow from knowing who God is. From having the truth in our hearts. And we get that by walking with him. And by fearing him. And respecting him and his word. And then we can love him. And out of love comes service. Going back to Deuteronomy 12, 10, 12. And then obedience. There's a chain. Walk humbly. Fear the Lord thy God. Love him. Love him by serving. Using your life. Love him by obeying. Everything within your heart and soul. But there's two more. Here's the fourth. Walk humbly. Secondly, fear him. Thirdly, love him. But here's the fourth. To do justly. What do I do with my life? How do I make decisions? Sometimes I've got work and family and home and church How do I divide my time? It's impossible. I have to be three or four places in one time. I do justly. I do what God would want me to do. Sometimes the family has to come first. There's an emergency. Sometimes the work, not often I hope, very rarely occasion the overtime or emergency or the obligation that we're under. That has to come first. But most of the time, maybe all of the time, our worship, the Lord's work, the kingdom of heaven, that must surely come first. To do justly, to divide my time, my resources, to make wise decisions. You see, you can only do that when you've got the first three. These things, they layer upon layer. And then the final one. I put it here. To love mercy. Deuteronomy 10 explained how that was to do with the widow. It was to do with the fatherless. It was to do with the stranger. But here it just says, to love mercy. I like to think of that as being the engine of our life. What motivates me to go and visit? To make a call, to send a card, to write a letter. Love for God. Fear of God. To desire to walk in his ways. But to do it because I love mercy. I love mercy because He's been merciful to me. And therefore I am to reflect mercy to others. It's amazing how often we think in life nobody cares. Nobody has expressed their love to me. I've got no friends. Poor me. But I've stopped thinking of others. I've stopped reflecting the love of Christ to me. I've stopped thinking of the widow and the fatherless and those who are mourning and grieving. When I get my attention right, then I can do justly. And I can love mercy. Do you know they've done a survey in the United States? And they found out that those who are in marriage are happier. Those who are in churches are happier. Those who live their lives according to God's ways, they don't think about taking their life. This is the word of God. God shows us what is good and what is right. What does he require of me and you this year? To walk in his ways. To love his ways. I've just sketched, Some of the thoughts in these two verses, meditate upon them. Write them out. You can see seven distinct things. I've summarised them into five. Firstly, walk humbly with your God. Secondly, fear the Lord thy God. Thirdly, love the Lord. Fourthly, do justly. And fifthly, love mercy. Would these be the characteristics of my life and my ministry in the year ahead and of your life and your ministry? If you love the Lord and if you don't know what I'm speaking about, you don't know the life you're missing. You don't know the life that is straight, the life that is blessed, the life that God wants you to live because he has showed you